So uh, tonight we have the president of the Indiana Properties uh, Rights Alliance with us. Uh, when, when the pandemic hit, a lot of things happened and a lot of things that people probably weren't paying attention to. Uh, one is the eviction moratorium where, you know, we have people that are renting units and they don't have to pay rent and they can't be evicted. And that trickle uh, affected a lot of people. So we have Laura Guy today. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so this is a uh, pretty important topic. It, it just hit the Supreme Court, but you're the expert on this. So I'm going to let you talk about it. And so so a, why don't you give us a little bit yeah. of a background uh, of yourself, Laura? Uh, introduce yourself to uh, our audience as, as we continue to grow here. Absolutely. Um, so I, born and raised in Indiana, I, Butler grad, um, went into the insurance industry right after college. I did claims, you know, and I settled claims, you know, my neck, my back, that kind of stuff. Uh, worked my way up to management and then our company got acquired by another company and everything changed. They fired half the people and then made the other people work double. And I just decided then and there that I was going to go into business for myself in real estate. And I have never looked back. I truly believe that I'm somebody that have lived the American dream. And it's something that I um, am so um, blessed with and want to see that to continue in future generations. Very awesome. So you get a pretty- It's under attack right now. You had a pretty good couple years, last couple of years, or last year, I should say. Uh, you mean like just- As with far the, as real estate. Market and stuff? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, what's interesting is that, uh, yes, it's it's been an incredibly hot market and that the, the pandemic, the eviction moratorium has only, you know, personally brought me more business because I buy investment properties. I buy fixer uppers. I buy, I buy problem properties um, so that we can either, you know, fix them up and sell them, fix them up, fix them up and rent them. Um, and this has caused a lot of problems for other housing providers. You know, if they're out of state, if, you know, a tenant stops paying because they don't have to pay <laughs> and then it becomes harder and they still have to do property management or, or I'm sorry, pay their property taxes, pay their mortgages, pay utilities, if that's the case for some uh, maintenance stuff. So we've probably bought a handful of properties from people because of this. And yet I still am so myself and many others are still so adamantly against it because it's such an interference in our business. Um, yeah, so we're starting to get more people that are, are joining on right now. So I just want to, uh, we always like to acknowledge our, our fans and, and those that are on the podcast, uh, like to know where people are watching from. So we've got Natalie, hello from West Virginia already. We've got uh, Julie from Indy. We've got uh, Brittany from Wisconsin already watching. So uh, we're we're, we're going we're gonna to get this, this cause out. Uh, this cause really does have a nexus with what we're kind of talking about uh, that we've been concentrating on, which is basically a fundamental freedom of choice, a freedom of rights. Um, and a, a lot of our uh, uh, fan base per se here uh, has issues insofar as uh, they're in healthcare and they're worried about being forced mandated to get vaccines. And this kind of gives them another out and it might be a, a plug for those that, that are looking for an out as well in, in so far as look what you can do in real estate itself. So I, I think this is a double-edged sword. We're talking about an issue in real estate that goes hand in hand with this, uh, with the CDC. I, we'll get into that right now, if you'd like, 
what did the CDC say about mortgages, which, which is unbelievable to me. I couldn't, I almost fell out of my chair when you told me. And, and this happened at the beginning of the pandemic, right? I mean, it's like as soon as we knew it was serious business. What did the CDC say about mortgages or evictions? Uh, evictions. The evictions. Oh, okay. So their entire basis of, of um, you know, banning evictions is that, you know, evicting people will either put them on the street or force them into closer living quarters, which would thereby, um, you know, further make the virus more, I don't even know what, it would, it would propagate the virus, essentially. Um, And, you know, the way that our attorney kind of explained it is, you know, the CDC certainly has a, has a role, you know, if there is a pandemic, if there is some kind of crazy outbreak, it's important to not spread it. So, for example, they could, they could say, you know, truckers can't go across state lines and, you know, they might limit some travel. Uh, I mean, for example, most country, countries limited travel from China when they knew that was going to happen. That seems very reasonable. Now, when they come in and say that a contractual relationship between a property owner and a tenant is going to propagate a disease, that's just, it's a little far-fetched. And, and the Supreme Court last week agreed with us. And, and blocked the CDC's authority to extend a moratorium, just the CDC's authority. That's what's important right now. And, and to let the listeners know, yes, the moratorium went into effect, meaning property owners could not remove people from their property. These people did not have to pay rent if they could not afford it because of the pandemic. Right. So yeah, we want to put out a true and accurate. So ultimately, you, you're a small business at this point. Yeah. And you, you think of, uh, we're getting away from the term landlord, right? Uh, and what's the term we're using now? Uh, we prefer housing provider. All right. So you're a housing provider. You have uh, a small piece of the American dream carved out. And mm-hmm. as we said, kind of off the air, that there have been more millionaires made uh, through real estate than, than probably any other profession in, in the United States. Um, so you, you've carved out this piece of the American dream, and now the government ultimately comes in and tells you, look, you can no longer, uh, you know, you, those that you're, you're renting to in contractual agreement with, you can no longer uh, sustain your, your livelihood because of this. Right. Uh, the, the caveat to that is it's a, it's a double-edged sword for you because now if there's any issues with the properties, uh, whether caused by the tenant or, or caused by, you know, natural forces, you are still on the hook to pay for those. Otherwise you can be fined or jailed. Yes. Up, up to, it was either a hundred or $200,000 along with jail time. If you refuse to provide needed maintenance during this time or fire or, or force anybody out of their houses. And what I think um, I'd like, what's interesting is Land, it is evictions are incredibly expensive. You stop getting rent. You have to pay an attorney. You have to show up in court. You, I mean, they're they're incredibly expensive. We avoid them at all costs. If you have a good tenant and they have a few, you know, they have something comes up in their life, ninety nine percent of housing providers are going to work with them because they know that you know things things happen in life. Just like credit card companies waive late fees. Just like mortgage companies, if you know they give you a plan to come back if you don't pay your mortgage for a while. It is a better business decision. 
um, we invest in our tenants. We invest in their success. We invest in the fact that they're going to take care of our homes. That is our asset. Um, it, to me, it's it, it's been a win-win. It's something that we could we could handle um, without interference, and we can handle better without interference. So, so do you find ultimately, and I, I want to kind of scroll back to a comment that, that Natalie said, uh, she said that she does feel bad for housing providers because people take advantage of it. So when we're at the beginning of the pandemic, nobody knows what's going on. Uh, everybody's on lockdown. I can't work. If your tenant came to you and all, and granted, maybe you're the anomaly, maybe you're not. That's why you're on this, this podcast right now to, to explain, uh, you know, that you're the positions as a whole, obviously there's a bad egg here and there, but if your tenant came to you and stated, look, I'm out of work. I don't know when I'm going back. Can you please, what, can we work out something? You'd be willing to do that. Oh, and I think there's not a single housing provider that I know that didn't handle that exact situation. I mean, you know, for me personally, I live in Fountain Square, um, downtown Indianapolis. I have a lot of, you know, waiters, waitresses, um, uh, retail workers. I mean, I have, I literally, I have two commercial properties and they were shut down before the eviction moratorium started because they had to close business. I, I think that was in March. So, you know, one of the first things we did for them was we said, you know, we're going to give you one month. We want to keep you. You guys take great care of the property. I know this is a challenging time because one, one guy's a barber. The other person is a craft store owner and they, they couldn't have people in their store. They, so they, they couldn't run business. I, I know several, I know an, another housing provider that's, that gave all of his tenants, no matter what, just one month free and said, Hey, I'm giving this to you. So you have a chance to figure stuff out. Um, I had a couple of waiters and waitresses that I just said, late fees are waived. You know, don't worry about rent going up when your lease is over. Let's, you know, we'll work something out. And 90% of them, and this is what I hear from most housing providers, um, they did. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of heartwarming that like most people did not take advantage of it. Sure. I like to think that, that people, people genuinely are decent human yes. beings. Um, and once again, there's anomalies in every profession, and we know that. But in general, if you see someone that needs a hand and you are able to provide them that hand, you extend that hand to them. Um, having said that, what happens now that the moratorium is now on and you aren't collecting uh, your rent? Uh, are you getting taken advantage of by some of your tenants, the ones that maybe are questionable, not, not the good ones, but everyone's got those, those tenants, I'll, I'll say. Um, yeah. what, what happens then? So um, I personally haven't had too much of a of terrible experiences, but I will share some of some of our members. We had one that a tenant hadn't been paying for over a year anyway, but he was in the middle of some health issues and just could not really uh, address it. He had an eviction scheduled for, I think, February of 2020. Um, and so at that point, they hadn't paid for over a year. Um, they stopped paying. He couldn't evict. We are now in 2021. They still haven't paid, uh, but in the driveway is a brand new 2020 F-150. Sure. Seen that myself. So it's 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 things like that, and I, I will say that it is not the norm, but um, but that it, it's it's the it's the precedent. It is not okay in the United States of America where where we are free, where we have personal responsibility, where um, you know, 
we're allowed to have our own businesses for the government to intrude in it. And you guys probably didn't qualify for small business loans or help, did you? We did not. And, and, you know, so a lot of like, like we have a, one of our good friends is a restaurant owner. So he got, you know, the PPP or the small business. And even now um, the money that's available for rental assistance, it's available to tenants. It is not, it's not something that we as housing providers can say, we need this. It's only available to them should they apply. Now we do have to, or at least the in the Indianapolis one, we had to agree to the terms, um, which everybody did. And and I will say that the money that we got from some of them, it was it was easy, it was quick, it was three months, here's a check, you know, it was it was great. But it was late. And unfortunately, some of our members have lost houses or have had to sell to pay off property taxes, to pay off repairs for other properties. And actually, um, I think two weeks ago, they released um, a report that 12% of housing providers, and and I will say also that 75% of housing providers are individuals. So they're okay. mom and pops. 12% have been forced out of the business altogether. I hope I didn't miss this, but uh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked, you were getting ready to battle the state of Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. And then the Supreme Court ruled on this. I don't know how the Supreme Court ruling affects individual states and your battle do you want to talk about that absolutely so so it was absolutely a battle win it it's amazing you know so evictions can now start again and i know that there's several on the docket what the supreme court did because okay so there's been several lawsuits from different states and different associations um and the one that was filed before it went to the supreme court and they said we're going to um, we're not going to rule on this because this moratorium ends at the end of July. We're just going to let it, we're just going to let it expire because you, you all can start again. We're not going to rule on it, but they did give an opinion that they thought that the CDC overstepped their bounds. Fast forward to August, the CDC extends it again. Okay. And they extend it to the end of September where conveniently Congress session starts in October. So what the Supreme court said is it is the CDC overstepped their bounds. The CDC cannot um, cannot put a, such a moratorium in place. However, Congress can, states can. And you're already seeing, for example, in New York right now, the governor is calling a special legislative session in order to get evictions, um, the eviction moratorium continued in, into 2022. So our fight is far from over. Wow. And how many months have you been in this battle? Uh, well, we just, um, after the CDC moratorium was extended again, that's when we decided to, we needed to take action. Well, I should say, how long has the moratorium affected you? Uh, well, so the, our state in Indiana, I believe the governor put the moratorium in place. I'm going to say in July of 2020. And then the CDC took over and they put their, I might be wrong on July, but I do know the CDC um, uh, enacted their moratorium in August. So, and it was always like a few months here or to the end of the year and then a few more months and a few more months and a few more months. Well, no matter what, it, it's been a solid year, a solid year. Oh, yes. And that's, you know, that, that so could, it could have ruined people's lives. I mean, just... Instantly. So, so, so Terry asked us, uh, she, she's watching and the, and the question is, can they still, um, 
can you still sell the property or, or uh, can you sell the property if you can't evict? And we had another commenter that answered that question. I'm, I'm interested. Great uh, and that's a, that is a great question. Can, can you can you guys sell your properties if you're not allowed to evict? And uh, Lisa in Alabama said they can. Uh, the leasee is then transferred to the new owner, but the property must be bought as cash or conventional since the governor backed loans or the government backed loans won't allow for tenant to be in the house at closing. So is that true in Indiana as well? Yes, you can absolutely sell the asset. Um, and, and like I, I, I don't know if I was, we were on air before, like I was telling you, this has actually been good for my personal business because we've had more motivated sellers that have a property that isn't cash flowing. And what, what my personal business does is buy, you know, um, distressed properties and we buy them and we fix them up and we sell them. Um, and so we've bought, I'd say five or 10 properties from other housing providers that have had this problem property. So yes, you can absolutely sell them. You do still have to honor any lease. Um, and we would have to kind of weather the storm as to how long we had until we could evict or it would start cash flowing again, you know? So those were just all factors um, that we had to take into account when we bought it or made the offer. Uh, and, and, it, and it became a, it reduces property values, sure, and which is bad for communities because we're like, sorry, we're not going to give you just what we normally would because we have no idea how long this is going to last. Right. I was just going to yeah. ask you, it feels like the bubble's about to pop. Uh, in Northwest Indiana, the property values have damn near doubled. I mean, yeah. it, it's incredible. And I was going to ask you, inner city had the properties oh, yeah. wrecked the same way. Well, I think for like the last 10 years or so, there's been a big, you know, movement to ur urban living more yeah. so. Um, so, you know, I, I personally live in downtown Indianapolis and that's where most of our projects are and stuff. And yes, I mean, it's insane, the price and people are paying, you know, 16, 17 offers and 40 grand over ask. And if it doesn't appraise, we'll still bring 50 grand. I mean, it's, it's insane. And so with, with like the price of lumber and materials, I have a, a relative that's building right now. And I mean, they've gone up fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 from their starting point. And they're like, I, I don't even know if we're going to be able to go through with this. And, and I just keep thinking about that. You know, the bubble is going to, it's going to pop. Yeah. I mean, it's going to correct itself. And it, it's, I agree. I think it's just a question of when, and yeah. I've seen a lot of builders and I work with a lot of builders that have like, you never really see this on like a listing that there's a price increase sure. because of the price of lumber, you know, so yeah. like, otherwise, you know, that's kind of where their profit is. Cause it, I think it damn near quadrupled and it's coming down now. Yeah. It is starting to correct it uh, down. Um, let, let me ask you, we're in the midst of a pandemic. The government is, is handing out free money left and right military supplies <laughs> where where do we get where are people where, where is the cash flow that allows for the the, the influx of housing pricing I, where, where is it coming from who's buying these houses up that that's the question i guess right who's who's like paying over like why is it such a high demand or exactly if we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are just starting to get back to work and the government had to give out you know trillions of dollars in stimulus funds just so you could buy your groceries. How is the housing market so hot? Well, it, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I just, before she answers, I mean, 
if we really think about it though, like for us in industrial areas, right? sure. most people that were, have a really great industrial job weren't really affected by, we were all essential. We were essential, right? right. <laughs> so those people are still moving in, at least in Northwest Indiana and are, are blessed and able to buy and, and afford a new home, you know, but not, but now is their home, the home that they bought now worth in 10 years going to be worth what they paid for it. I mean, obviously well, 10 years, your, probably not. You want to look at your home as an investment yeah. now. So are, are those that, that have worked through this pandemic that are working through this are, are they ultimately going to be the ones that are, are stuck with the, the last housing burst in what in 2008, was it? Mm, 2000 yeah 2008 yeah when, when, whenever whenever people were buying homes uh down south for seven eight hundred thousand dollars for what we you could buy in indiana for a hundred and fifty thousand and 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 now their homes aren't worth that it corrected itself I, i'm 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 fearful that that's what we're looking at here soon i mean i think all the signs and symptoms are in in line for us being at the top of the market i mean you know when when this sort of thing happens it's kind of it's unsupported, you know, but I would back to why is this happening? One of the um, key factors in it is there was about almost half the amount of supply in the last year. So there's generally like a movement of, you know, every, most people are like, ah, oh, you know, this in five years, and we need to upgrade. We got kids. We want a bigger house. You know what I mean? not as many people were moving. So there wasn't as many houses on the market. So it's almost just a supply and demand. Here in India, it was at almost 50% where the supply, there's just, the supply wasn't there because not as many people were selling. Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now. That's, I, I wanna respond to that. Uh, well, well, Tracy, Tracy commented on here. So she's buying properties that housing providers had to sell to get out from under an unpaid lease which affected their mortgage to turn around and sell for profit. My response to that is if, even if that's the case, good, good for you. Right. Right. We're, we're in a capitalist society. I right? mean, I mean the, the, the person that I bought from wanted to sell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. That was their desire. I was said, this is what I can give you. They have the right to say yes or no, but for whatever reason, they needed to sell, they needed right. cash. Um, and obviously it has to work for both parties or else an agreement isn't reached. And if you're not a, a large uh, property owner, you know, business, if you have multiple, if you don't have multiple properties for, for instance, myself, I, I was a property owner or a housing provider. I had one unit and it, it, if you only have one unit, it is extremely difficult. Uh, I wish I had multiple. So I had more sources of income, but yeah, you know, some people probably get into it and they're like, man, I got to get out. I, I can't do this. Sure. And, and you don't, you don't, you know, I, I'll never formulate an opinion on, on somebody's what they're doing as a career, as, as long as it's lawful, ethical, sure. uh, you know, I ultimately, if, if I, my first house that, that I ever bought was on a short sale. And unfortunately it was the, uh, a female's uh, husband had passed away. She needed the money. She needed the downside. She needed it quick. I got a good deal on it. What can I say? I'm not going to apologize for it. It was a great house. I utilized it as my primary residence. Um, but, but in that same breath, it, it's no different. That's how we grow business. That, that, that is the key to capitalism. That's the key to, to, to freedom of business in, in this country. Yeah. And the other thing I would say to Tracy is, yeah, I, I did benefit from, from this situation and I'm still against it because it's wrong. <laughs> 
So I'm here to represent those people that have been forced into something like that so that they should, because they should never have been in that situation. Sure. So, so, and that brings you to the, uh, can you expound upon that just a little bit more? Uh, the, like, uh, how, how you fight against it. And, uh, and I, I don't want to necessarily put you on, on the spot here, but you said something and I know it's going to draw a lot of commentary and I, I want, I want to clarify, uh, what you just said. So you, you are independent business, no doubt about it. You are, you are running, you, you are in the business to buy properties and flip properties, correct? Correct. But also you are standing up because some of the properties you are buying and, and you're actually helping somebody out by buying this property because they have to get out from under. Um, wh whether it's, you know, you get, if you get a deal, that's great. That, that's part of the business relationship. You want the best deal. They want the best deal. You guys come to an agreement. But also you have this foundation in which you're fighting for, uh, so people don't have to do that anymore. So they don't have, the only out is to sell their property. I'm just trying to clean that up. Am I correct? Oh, yes. Thank you for cleaning that up for me. Yes. Yeah, it, it sounds just a little hypocritical. That's what I'm doing, but I'm also fighting not to do it. So uh, I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> and, but the real battle is still against the government. Yes. 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 So, so why don't we talk a little bit about your foundation? Okay. Um, so we were formed exclusively to protect property rights for, um, for everybody, for specifically for Hoosiers. Our, our lawsuit is um, both against the state and federal government. We, we, we're going to be filing both. But, um, you know, one of the pillars of, of our democracy, of capitalism of a free market society is that you have the right to own personal property. One of the pillars of socialism is that the government owns all property. And that's one of the things that has made America so, you know, successful is that we all have the right to own things. And we all, you know, that power is spread. It is not centralized in one place. So our, our number one mission is to protect people's property rights. Now, tenants have rights too. You know, we do not have the right to discriminate against them. We don't have the right to, if, if we, in our contracts, we have, we have the duty to provide maintenance, service, timely service, and they have the duty to pay us rent in, in return. I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty simple contract. Um, so um, what our organization has done is we have hired uh, Thrasher, Bushman and Vogel, very, very prestigious firm in Indianapolis to um, pursue a, to fight the eviction moratorium and pursue damages for those that have uh, lost because of this. Um, we feel that, you know, that forcing or, or, or requesting just compensation will be the best way to make sure it doesn't happen again. And, and what's different about our lawsuit, because I'm sure everybody's like, wait, you know, the Supreme Court just blocked it, what? But, um, oh, and there's other associations doing this. This is what makes ours a little bit different. So there's no other, at this time, to my understanding, there's no other lawsuit against their own state. To date, there has been a lawsuit where the Apartment Association filed a lawsuit against the federal government, but their lawsuit does not say, I want, I want you to overturn this, this is unconstitutional, they say, we weren't compensated for our losses and that's all we want. So it only applies to those members. 
That's all they're saying is our, this person lost this, this person lost this. We just want to be justly compensated. There was another, the, the one, the lawsuit from Alabama, which is the one the Supreme Court ruled on, all they asked for was for the CDC to, was saying that CDC didn't have the authority to do so. So there's different elements in every single one. What we would like to do is say that no government entity, no governor, no health, Department of Health, no Congress, no CDC, they do not have the right to interfere in contracts. Um, so this uh, essentially, it doesn't just affect landlords, it affects anybody that owns property. You know, if, if we don't have the right to control our own property, um, then nobody does. You know, it, it's a precedent. And no business, and, and anybody, and any contract that isn't honored, that's a precedent that's set for any other business where a contract doesn't have to be honored. Sure. So, so, so let, let me let me do a, a quick follow up uh, on that. So when we're talking specifically about contracts, uh, whether it be a, a mortgage and agreement between two parties, uh, three parties, whatever, um, if you do not want to allow the government or CDC to have a say in those individual contracts between parties, would is there a middle ground that can be stipulated? where in those contracts in the wording stating, uh, can it state in the unlikely event, kind of like when you buy insurance, you know, you can buy the uh, act of God type insurance. Are there yeah. different, uh, is there a verbiage that can be added? That's a middle ground for that to safeguard the tenants? To safeguard the tenants against like a pandemic? Yeah. A pandemic, a, a war. I mean, you, you, you whatever, uh, an, an, an act that's not their fault. You know, the, the government yeah. says they have to stay home. They cannot pay. I mean, let's face it, their home, their business is closed. They can't pay. Are there, is that the common ground? Well, for, in my opinion, the common ground would be, okay, you know, gov we as a government shut everything down. Um, we're here, you pay tax dollars, you know, so that we can take care of you. The government should have, start pay, should have started paying us rent, you know? I mean, that, that, I don't think that's, I, I, I know I'm asking so, some kind of pressing questions, but because I, I don't think your answers are, are, uh, are wrong. Um, and, and I'm interested in it. I, I would agree with you that, that I believe that, that there has to be compensation somewhere down the line, or if they're not going to pay the rent, there needs to, if, and they're not going to pay you that rent, they should at least afford you the same courtesy they're affording the, the tenants where now you don't have to pay. And then, then that waiver, if you can't afford, you don't, you don't, if you have a note on your property, your property taxes are now delayed until everything catches back up. Right. Right. And that, I mean, you know, there may be a middle ground and I'm certainly open to something like that. Um, but I, I also kind of think it goes back to just, you know, the basis of our constitution is, we have these rights. We have, you know, the right to um, protest. We have the right to congregate for a religious activity. There's no asterisk that says unless there's a pandemic, and you know, it it just it just seems that um, all of that is is gone because of a pandemic. Yeah, um, it, you know. It, it, 
there's a that that adage that they're saying that that if if, if you let them take your rights away uh, once because of an emergency, they're going to continue to create emergencies to continue taking your rights. So, with with that being said, I I. I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I'm just, I'm trying to think of it from a very objective standpoint where I understand. It, if you can't take this middle ground, you know, it, 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 I'm trying to find that, that, that commonality that, that there could be a middle ground or I, I'm not an attorney. So I, I, I don't know enough about it to, to, to well, even really formulate that educated opinion. Just from what I'm hearing, first things that come to my mind. Well, and the, what I'll add to that is I think that, you know, that, it isn't a, um, it isn't so far-fetched that, you know, oh my God, we can't just put all these people out on the streets. Sure. My, I guess my argument, not even argument to that, what I would like to offer is that we also understand that as housing providers and that we have the ability to solve the problem, work with tenants, work with people without government interference. And every single housing provider I know has done just that because a vacant property is a non-cash flowing. It's tar- it's a target for vandalism. It's a target for squatters. It has more probability of having problems. We, we are fully capable of doing the right thing and working with people. And we want good tenants taking care of our properties. And you know what's amazing? It, the more I think about it is Indiana is one of the very few states that's been in a huge surplus for, I don't know, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's amazing that the money, you know, they, they can't allocate money to this. Um, and, you know, through this whole like pandemic, you know, a big theme has been shop local, you know, help your local people. Right. Well, that's who we are. 40% of um, housing providers are local. We go to your church, we we're your soccer team's coach, you know, where, I mean, all personally, all of my properties are probably within a five mile radius. So I've, I've lived in a couple of them. Every single one of my tenants has my direct contact information. They can reach me directly. So if, if I'm forced to sell, I'm likely going to be forced to sell to a hedge fund, a government agency. So now when they have an HVAC problem or they're out of air conditioning, they got to call a 1-800 number and press this and press this. And I mean, we're good for communities. Sure. Housing providers are good for communities. Most housing providers are the community. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. You, you are part of the community because you live in the community and, and you, you provide a service for the community. So Laura, I want to thank you. Do you have anything that you'd like to say in closing? Uh, give out your website. Uh, to tell people how to get a hold of you if they've got any questions. Uh, you you may have spurred. We've got watchers from all over the country right now, so you may have spurred some conversations uh, that that may be applicable to them. Yes, um, please go to www.ipra, which is Indiana Property Rights Alliance no, Action.com. So ipraaction.com. There we are. You can also find us on Facebook at Indiana Property Rights Alliance. Um, we, we appreciate any support and donations you can provide. We're, we definitely think this is a fight for everybody. Um, if you have a personal, if you are a housing provider, or even just a private property owner, and you would like to be represented in this, you can contact us um, at info at ipraaction.com. Um, and I just really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me today. 
Laura, so it's been great. And I, I, I would like to have you back on the show when we get a, a little bit farther and we could do some follow-up and, and yes, see how I, the fight's going. Thank All you right. so much. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, hey no, don't end. Don't end. Thanks so much. Well, yeah, we're going to keep going. Laura, Laura could disconnect. Oh, okay. Thanks. Should I go ahead and just yep. leave? Yep. Okay. Yep. Very nice to meet you guys. Thank you for doing you what well. you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. So for for the people still on, we'll give it a second. Okay, there we go. We're still live, right? So going back to what we've been working so hard on, um, we you know this Mike's you know we 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 were talking at the beginning of this this freedom of choice. Uh, you know, we're against the mandates, work so hard for our heroes. And here we are, we've, we've been talking about it almost every podcast. We needed people, we needed their input, we needed people to, you know, message us, organize with us. And we've ran into a problem. Yeah, so so ultimately, uh, after much discussion, uh, we've, we've elected that it would do more harm than good to continue the Jabs for Job live stream event uh, that's supposed to happen on 9-6. I'm very disheartened by, by doing this. Um, I wanna preface it with, this does not mean we're gonna stop standing up for your rights. It does not mean that we're gonna stop uh, live streaming uh, rallies and protests that are going on. Uh, the issue we ran into is a lack of participation for this event, which, which really was, I don't want to say troubling to me, but but disappointing to me. I, I'm uh, not going to lie. I kind of lost some sleep over it because, you know, as many people that are affected by this and the messages we received, I, I understand it's a holiday. I get it. You know, there's a lot of things going on, but I just, deep down, I thought you guys, not, you're not talking to anybody specific. I just thought people wanted it more. They wanted to be out there. They wanted their voices to be heard. We had the opportunity to have to represent 50 states live, uh, you know, to make national headlines, to keep the focus on this subject, and it's just not there. Yeah, uh, we, we had a total of uh, six states. Um, that, that's not enough. Uh, and, and the reason that's not enough is if we're broadcasting this as a nationwide event and we only get six states, guys. It doesn't look too good for the cause. And the last thing we want to do is, is you know, claim that we're going to have this, this, this large event and it be a flop because that, that doesn't help the cause and the credence at all. We're going to find another way to help. We are going to still try to put the live streams up. Um, it's just not going to be under that event. Having said that, our, our inboxes are always open. If you are going to continue, yep. If you're going to continue to have the events, please message us. We we will figure something. But this out. is what I do ask but, you: this, if you do organize on Labor Day, film it, walk around, yes, film it, take as much uh, footage as you can, and send it to us. And I we will still put together a montage of the day. If we can get a huge, you know, a bunch of clips and put it all together, that would be awesome too. Yeah, we. But, we 
we want this for, for our viewers that are watching all, all 12 of you um, that, that are supporters of us. And, and, and I thank you so much. Well, now 11, someone just got mad, yeah, um, yeah, but, no, but ultimately I, I want to thank you guys for the support. We are continuing to stand with you guys. Please send us the videos. Randy is an amazing video editor. Um, send us your videos uh, of your rallies. We want to put something together that shows the magnitude of this cause that we're standing for. And the last thing I want to do is be the, the, the root cause of why, why we couldn't get any, any footing uh, with the government on this. So uh, I know it's disappointing to, to, to many people. Thank you, Natalie, uh, so much. Um, and I want to, I want to hit on something else too. People keep asking us about um, exemptions, like going to school. Oh, we can't give you guys advice, but I can tell you this. I know somebody that did not get signed off from a church, uh, did not get a medical exemption. However, she requested an extension uh, that goes in the exemption file for her school and it's on file and she's good for the next five, six months. Guys look into that, not guys, gals, guys and gals, just saying in general, um, look into it. You know, you got to look at colleges like a business. They don't want to lose your business. That's the bottom line. They can say whatever they want. But if you say, hey, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I don't have enough information about this. Uh, I'm trying to have a baby. There's a, there's a lot of things you can say. You have to be honest and upfront with these people. That, that's what we found out. And there's a really good chance that you can be extended, uh, get an extension on that and possibly an exemption. So uh, they don't want to lose your business. Just keep that in mind. Um, as far as jobs, you know, people that are successful with your jobs, let us know. Uh, let us know about your religious exemptions and your uh, medical exemptions, and, and we'll keep sharing the information. Yeah. So uh, I, I truly uh, want to thank all of you again. Um, this journey is not over for us with uh, the, the mandates. Uh, we are going to continue to stand up for all your civil liberties. And uh, we, uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. But hang on. I still have to address something because I'm still kind of upset. We had some people comment about what our mission is. Um, you know, this idea of our podcast happened between two good friends. Uh, we had a vision of what we wanted to do. Um, it just so happened that this topic was really close to home and we, we really support this topic. We're always support this topic, but our vision is, is bigger. There's other things we want to do. And I put up an article uh, and, and people freaked out. Um, I, you know, maybe our audience right now is, is older, um, but Guys, we have shows coming up that I'm just giving you a warning. You may not like them. It's okay. Um, right. We support you. You can still support us. But, you know, we're going to have musical guests. We're going to have, you know, blue collar people. We're, we're going to have maybe a director or an actor. We've got a bunch of shows that are in the works right now. Uh, there's more doctors coming. Um, I'm not going to give any names. We have at least three shows lined up. Saturday, we're recording a live show. It's going back to one of the articles I posted because it, it's phenomenal. We're going to drop it after we hang up on this. I'm going to put the, the preview up and uh, yeah, I just hope you stick with us. You know, you got to have an open mind. 
Just have an open mind. Even if you disagree with the content, just listen. Maybe there's something in there. And as you found, it's it's very, uh, Natalie, you didn't have to put your age on here, but but I appreciate it. well, I'm 36. Yeah, just, right. just I'm, I'm slightly older than both of you. <laughs> uh, the, the content that's coming up, much like today's uh, interview, we want to be more pressing. Uh, the, the cause for the jabs for jobs, hey, it was, it was one-sided, but we, we want to start digging deep in, into some topics. I want to get into really the psychology of, of, of some issues that we want to tackle. Uh, while we're going to still continue to do our updates for the, the jabs versus jobs, we're going to continue to have old, older guests, uh, come back on for updates, follow-ups. So you're not going to necessarily like everything we put out. You may like something, uh, as long as you have an open mind, you may, you may find another niche that you you didn't know you might've been into. So with that being said, um, We'll see you guys on the next yeah. one. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, we got a we got a show. Uh, it's going to be uh, Saturday night. We're not going to be live. We're gonna we're gonna record it Saturday, do some editing, but we're gonna have a show Saturday. Stick around for the preview. Thanks, guys.